Shalom, and welcome to another edition of RZJHS Stories, the podcast of Rochelle Zell Jewish High School. Today, we have the opportunity to catch up with another member of the class of 2013, Josh Flink. Josh currently lives in Brooklyn and recently worked as research assistant for the acclaimed book, The New Jewish Canon, edited by Drs. Yehuda Kurtzer and Claire Sufrin. The New Jewish Canon is a collection of the most important Jewish essays and books from 1980 until 2015, with an accompanying essay for each primary text by scholars from the field. It is an important text both for academic courses and lay people who want to become acquainted with the important Jewish writing of the past 40 years. At Rochelle Zell, we've used this book in several different classes and are currently teaching from the book to alumni and adults during our twice monthly Tuesday Lunch and Learns. To get the Zoom link for this teaching, please email rabbisilver at rzjhs.org. Today, we check in with Josh to hear about his decommitment to social service, writing, Judaism, and his involvement in editing the new Jewish canon. Josh, welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you. Thank you, Rabbi Silver. It's, it's a real pleasure to be here. Thanks for, thanks for having me. So I just want to begin. Uh, it's been a while since we've caught up. And if you could give us a brief rundown, some of the highlights since you graduated from 2013's class at Rochelle Of course, it really has been a while. Um, well, to kick it off, um, after graduating, went on uh, Nativ um, and had just an incredible year in Israel, both in Yerucham and Jerusalem and traveling all around. Um, went to the University of Michigan, studying psychology and Judaic studies with a minor in writing, which was really formative for me. Had a few trips to the Hartman Institute while I was there, which we'll definitely get to later. And then since then have been in Brooklyn, which is where I'm calling from now. Participated in the um, Repair the World Fellowship as a food justice fellow and a housing justice fellow. And really just like got to be, began to explore identity, race and gender, just like so many other important um, topics of identity intersecting with, with Judaism. And I'm currently working for a social services agency in Brooklyn at a supportive housing site as a case manager. Amazing. Can you tell us a little bit more about the Repair the World Fellowship? What was that? Who were you working with? And you spoke about a lot of different big isms. What did that look right. like on the ground? Um, yeah, it was a really, really intense and meaningful year for me. It's a Jewish service here, similar to Avodah, but a little bit newer. I believe we were like the fourth or fifth cohort in New York, working in Brooklyn and Harlem. I was a Brooklyn fellow and just exploring so many different you know, important topics. I focused primarily on food justice and housing justice. I was paired with different organizations. I worked with CAMBA, a different social services agency. I'm working with people who are housing insecure and food insecure. And then also spent a, a big chunk of my time at this very special place, St. John's Bread and Life. Both, both organizations are not Jewish. We work in the community. We work with in primarily communities of color and really just helping them to expand their food operation, whether it was volunteering in their soup kitchen or helping out in their food pantry. I was mostly working to bring volunteers in and to really just support whatever they were doing and to make it smoother and easier and better. Could you just kind of zoom in? Who are the people that you met? Are there, are there a couple of stories that kind of resonate in terms of kind of bringing us into, into your work and your life in that capacity? 
if specifically with the repair the world fellowship yeah yeah that's a that's a great question i would say some really important people that i met were the other fellows who were there with me from all different parts of the country uh, across different races different like you know genders and sexualities it was a really diverse uh, mix and just got to like learn from them and be with them and experience the fellowship with them you know we would like go home and we were also living together so we would unpack the issues that we were discussing during the day uh, a lot of our our critiques and criticisms of the fellowship which was definitely a bonding experience um but also just like disability justice and what gender means and someone to like you know we had various trainings that i went on throughout the fellowship really important trainings on undoing racism and understanding gender and masculinity for me and whiteness and just like people to really who understood that and cared about it and got to got to unpack that with and share be, be thought partners with that with but also just people at bread and life you know clients who would come through the door and really look so so different you know people who fit the stereotype of people who are homeless who had odors who were old and people who you wouldn't know would be at a food pantry people who were young and people who you know didn't really look like they would need food but that's that's i think the what happens with with food insecurity it's a spectrum and you know there's you know people can lie all across that spectrum and really need different kinds of of assistance and that's where people that's what organizations like St. John's Bread and Life was there for just to meet people where they're at and and come come out from a judgment free place amazing talk about that sounds formative for you and clearly finding finding the niche think global act local it really is what it's all about Thank you. I want to also focus on some of the other things you mentioned. Uh, you mentioned writing as a core part of your life. Uh, can you speak a little bit more about what that looked like? It clearly perhaps started actually at 1095 Lake Cook, and we can talk about that as well. But what did that look like in college and beyond for you? So much of that, uh, of the, the passion for writing, really did start at CJHS, now RZJHS. Um, and yeah, it, it really took place for me in, in Mr. Griffith's classroom. We spent the first two years um, learning the ins and outs and all the structures of everything, how to write five paragraph essays. And literally we walked into Mr. Griffith's classroom and he was like, forget all that. Well, don't forget all that. But like, it's, that's not what this class is about. This class is about ideas. And he was the one who taught me that ideas are really the most important thing when it comes to writing and just gave me so much autonomy when it comes to like putting together essays and I remember my first creative uh, writing piece that I did in, in his class and it just gave gave me so much room and license to just do whatever I wanted and it really made me a much better writer and it was it was just it was genius he wasn't teaching me you know the the specific rules of how to write he was really just giving me the space to express myself um, which was definitely definitely invaluable very powerful clearly his his mentorship and his empowerment of students is really what you're talking about it it's affected so many people who have who have learned with us so the reason that i came across your name i was reading the new jewish canon and you're the very first mention in the acknowledgments by doctors claire sufrin and yehuda kurtzer could you tell us a little bit about how you got involved in this project, which was recently named as a finalist for the Jewish Book Award. 
Absolutely. I feel really lucky um, to be a part of this project. It kind of just like happened. I first went to the Harvard Institute in Jerusalem on a winter break trip with the University of Michigan's Hillel. Very grateful to them um, to be able to make that happen financially, but also just like who they brought on that trip and, and how they they did it so intentionally and meaningfully. And it was the I Engage winter, winter break trip. It was like a seven day winter break. We, it was kind of like a crash course in what it means to be at the Harvard Institute, which for me meant, you know, approaching texts and you in, you know, different topics of, you know, Israel-Palestine from a lens of Jewish values um, and value-based learning. And so that really brought me back that summer for the I Engage internship, which sadly I think doesn't no longer exist. Um, it might have been the last summer that we did it. And I was placed with Dr. Yehuda Kurtzer as his intern to help him with his new book. I really didn't know what that meant at that time. All I knew was that he was president of Harvard North America, that I had seen him and, and learned with him on the Winter Break Fellowship and was just so captivated by how brilliant he was. And I knew that it was about contemporary Jewish thought, which I really fell in love with in Dr. Schorsch's class at CJHS. Um, and so I was just, yeah, completely humbled to be in it and didn't realize that I would basically what I was doing was going through all the primary sources in this book. There were probably maybe 10 to 15 or 20 at the time that were already established and already excerpted. And I was like reading basically the rest of them and picking out the, the gems, the, the, the text that you see in this book and, you know, engaging with them, excerpting them, talking with, with Yehuda about them. And that was kind of the beginning of this process, I was able to, I was, I also felt really lucky to, to stay on and help Yehuda and Claire after the summer into my senior year. I was like able to take fewer classes and just like devote some time to this book and continue to, to, you know, zoom into them before zoom was this, this really cool <laughs> accessible model that everyone's using. We were just like, you know, chat every few weeks and I would continue that like research and in going through these texts from there. So what are some of the texts that stick out to you? There, there is some overlap between Dr. Schorsch's class and what's in the book, but whether it be those, those texts that you had read previously in 2013 and also the new ones, uh, what stands out to you as a Jew, as a person, and, and why, do you think? Absolutely. It's a really important question. Some of the texts, ironically, actually did come from Dr. Schorsch's MJT class. I one of the things that I'll take away from this experience was just how valued I was as a thought partner. Yehuda had just like so much, just like gave me so much room to, to be in conversation with him about his book. Um, and also with Claire as well, of course. He asked me as I was working um, at the internship as a way to connect with my peers and talk about the other interns, like what is this book missing? What other voices um, could be included? So I actually was able to include some of the sources and add to them, one of them was Rabbi David Weiss Halibni. And it was just incredible to see how that source made it into the book. So definitely his Breaking the Tablets text being in the book was, I find, I found in, in Dr. Schorsch's MJT class to be extremely formative. Also, I found that Judith Plaskow's work in the book was completely also revolutionary for me just to like read um, Jewish feminist work and to be so, so taken by it and so just like impressed 
um, at how contemporary it sounded. It was written, I think, in like the 80s or the 90s, but really it felt like it was, it was speaking to me today and was so relevant today. I was just so impressed by that. But there are just so many other countless um, texts that I was, just, I was just completely enthralled by when I was going through them. Just to name a few, some of them include Primo Levi's The Drown and the Save, which I also had a privilege to be able to contribute to the work. You know, Harold Kushner's When Bad Things Happen to Good People. That was incredible. And then um, definitely the, the text Gayness and God, written by, as a pseudonym, Yaakov Libado, but really Rabbi Greenberg, who hadn't really come out at that time and exploring his sexuality. And I really hadn't had an opportunity to explore the intersection of Judaism and sexuality or other or Judaism and feminism in a way before then. It was just, it was incredible to get to read through these sources. Do you have any reflections about what you take forward with you from that internship experience? Clearly you had phenomenal mentorship and a continuing relationship with a phenomenal scholar, phenomenal scholars, but beyond that, what, what are some of the lessons that you take forward with you in terms of being part of this project? Well, like I said, really being, first and foremost, really being just like valued as someone who is in the room to be able to discuss these things with. At the time, I was like, this is, you know, Yehuda Kurtzer. He, you know, he's brilliant. And also Claire Sufrin, also brilliant, equally brilliant. But really just like approaching me and like wanting to hear my opinion gave me a lot of confidence, I think, um, in moving forward. And also gave me so much insight into like what actually creates a book. I had no idea of like all the editing, all the process, you know, how to create a table of contents, you know, all the bios, everything that goes into it that, you know, reaching out to the editor, receiving feedback from the editors. It was just a true, true privilege. I was really humbled to be able to like have an insider's uh, peek into that process and how long it took. I, when I joined the, the project, it already, Yehuda and Claire had already been working on it, I think for like three years. So it really was a, a four to five year project, if not longer. And so that was a valuable lesson just to see what kind of went into making the book. I would say another lesson that, that I took forward with me, just like a value, was being in conversation with, with Yehuda and Claire and also in the room when we had the conversation of, can you separate an art an artist from, the, from, from his art or his or her art um, and all the controversy, controversy that's come out since then about the authors that kind of acted as sexual predators or, you know, had allegations of sexual assault and sexual harassment and including them in this canon of work, there were many people that said we should not include them in a can- We should not canonize these people who, you know, are actively engaging in harm, disrespecting women, you know, are active misogynists. Um, and so to be a part of that conversation was really formative. I think Yehuda definitely had his mindset that he wanted them in the book, but at least to like be able to talk with him and to hear why, and to hear how like he wanted to write a comprehensive canon from 1980 to 2015. And those people really are a part of that canon. But I'm hoping that we can, that because they are included, because he made the decision to include them, that we can um, engage with them in extremely critical ways and that we can, both the essays that were written about these texts, about Ari Shavit and other authors, we can you know, have that conversation. I think if you don't have that conversation, if we don't have the conversation of what it means to engage with oppressive white men who are writing our history, who are writing our literature, then we're doing ourselves a disservice of not fully engaging with the canon, which I think is what Yehuda you know, wanted to happen from, 
from writing this book. So it sounds like I was going to ask you this as well. At the time that they were written, these texts made an impact on American Judaism and beyond. And because of that, they need to have their voice stated. Is that correct? Um, well, I think that I probably have gotten a lot more liberal and progressive since working on this project. I think I would say, still say, yes, they should be included, as I would say with all art and artists, um, just because many, many of the, you know, the authors that we read are these really bigoted white men um, that are, you know, can often be forced down our throats. But if we're engaging with them so critically and we're seeing it holistically, then I think there's so much meaning that can happen. And that's where it comes. That's where the value of a good teacher, a good facilitator, a good professor, really, and a good writer comes in, is if you can facilitate those conversations and draw attention to them, I'll have to see, as will you know, the readers, just how starkly and how noticeably um, Yehudu and Claire kind of draw attention to, to, to these voices and the critiques um, that are well-deserved, and also the, essay, the, the essayists that go with the, the paired primary sources. I feel like if we can actually have a thoughtful conversation about how oppressive these voices are, and even to find the oppressiveness in, in the writing itself, then, you know, potentially there's so much meaning. But I think when I would, when, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't, if, if not done so well, then I would say, no, they shouldn't be included just because they can actually do a lot of harm to the reader if we're not even noticing, you know, how they're influencing, you know, sexism and, and misogyny. I want to try and flash back a little bit. Clearly, DJHS has been a big part of your life and, and your family's life. Your sister was in the very first class, Molly was in class of 2004, and you have four members of your family that went through our school. What are some of the memories eight years later that, that are sticking with you as we're talking? Yeah, it makes me feel old, <laughs> mostly because I viewed my older sisters at this place in life when I was in school, and but now I'm, I'm very, really far removed from it, and it, it, it take me, took me some time to kind of jump back into it. Um, the memories are like really just come flooding back. I feel like the overwhelming memory is just like, a, is just like a feeling of comfort. Felt so comfortable in the halls and just like eating lunch wherever all over the building, spending so much time with, with teachers in, um, I was going to say office hours, but really just like, just like during lunch and during, you know, passing periods and whatnot. And, and I think really just the opportunities that, that I was given that I feel extremely grateful and privileged to have experienced, whether that be through, you know, my experience with sports on the basketball team, with Molly Yuan, having incredible mentors and teachers, which there really are too many to name. Um, but I think, all, yeah, like I said, you know, we're in, being in, in Mr. Griffith's class for two years with Dr. Shorsh and MJT, they, those really stick and really have laid the groundwork for, for much that, that came after it. You've named a little bit. Are there books from Mr. Griffith's class that you think back on? Honestly, just the, the conversations with Mr. Griffith as a class. He, he made himself so vulnerable um, and just like opened himself, brought, brought him his full self to work and really shared his life with us. And we shared our lives with him. Um, and that kind of made its way onto the pages and in the writings and in the conversations. Um, so that was really formative for, for Mr. Griffith's class, um, as well as I think Dr. Shorsh. I think this book, it was just like, 
you know, when I was working with it, it was just like always in my seat in Dr. Schorsch's class. Really, when I think about it, really was like my introduction to MJT, to modern Jewish thought. And I'm just so, so grateful for it and how incredible of a teacher she was and a facilitator. Um, and all the texts that we really got to explore, I was just like thinking back, like the Lonely Man of Faith, Rabbi Halivni, and just like all of all of the different, you know, texts um, that we got to explore and really like helped me think about my Judaism and how I wanted that to look moving forward and still something that I grapple with today. But I think I, the, the grappling really, really took, took shape in that class. Thanks so much for your insights, Josh, and thanks to everyone for listening. Check back soon for our next edition of RZJHS Stories.